What if it did work? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if it did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work? You know what? I gotta admit, what if it did work? I love the song. I love the meaning. Maybe I'm biased, but I love that podcast. One of my favorites. And you know what? I know you're waiting for that episode. So am I. It's one of my favorite episodes. But how about doing something different in your life? How about a free webinar? Hey, I did it. So you know it's good. It's just ask for it. You're going to be like, what's just ask for it? Entrepreneurs, salespeople, everybody in general, you're up at night. You're all bent and twisted. Where's your next sale coming from? Where are the leads? How am I going to get that next referral? Aren't you tired of working in your business and not your business working for you? Aren't you tired of missing out? on all those amazing events, the family functions, the travel soccer games, the graduations, because you're a slave to your business, but not anymore. This will help you compress time so you can live your life. You can live your passions because I know it's not chasing leads and chasing sales. Just ask for it. What will it do? Double your referrals, triple your leads, quadruple your sales. It's all about compressing time. You're going to say, how do I find it? omarmadrano.com backslash webinar backslash. Worst case, omarmadrano.com. You'll find it. Hey, we're like-minded souls. Enough as surviving. Your whole life was meant to be thriving. What if it did work? All righty. I'm super stoked. I'm super excited. A brand new day, a brand new episode of What If It Did Work. And I got to say, this is an honor of mine because, man, your publicists or your people found me. And I, I'm just honored to have you here. RT, it's RT Custer, RT Custer. How do you pronounce it? Custer. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't want to butcher names. RT Custer, you're you're the CEO and founder of Vortic Watches, a company based here out of the United States. Most people, when they think of watches, they think of Switzerland, they think of Zurich, but not you, man. You you, you are an outlier. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. We're, uh, we're here in Fort Collins, Colorado. It's a sunny, beautiful day today. And um, yeah, proud to make one of the only truly American-made watches. And dude, it's quality. And I, I'm not saying that just because I, I, I have you. Originally, when when your publicist contacted me and said a, a watch made in the United States, I'm like, oh my gosh, this this probably looks like a, a Timex or you know, just some some gimmicky watch. But no, dude, I mean your your watches, the ones that you create, you can wear not only on, on a business meeting, you can take it out on a date, you can hang out. You've got multiple multiple layers of this corporation. Now, did you always dream about being a watchmaker? Um, no, that's a that's a great question. So, um, my my business partner Tyler and I we we had this idea um, to and what what we do is we take antique American pocket watches and turn them into one of a kind wrist watches. Um, and that's, that's why they look different. And we, we had that idea, um, on the golf course at Penn state when we were students. Um, and, and we're not watchmakers, you know, like I, I have an engineering degree, but that's about as close as we get. Um, we just like American history. We like how things are made. We like the stories that these watches tell. Um, and, you know, we like to say we preserve American history one watch at a time. And that's, that's how we got into it is, we were fascinated with, you know, just how watches work, um, 
trying to figure out if we could make a watch in America, you know, because to your point, most people are making watches in Switzerland or China at this point. Um, and we stumbled on the history of those great American watch companies that were making pocket watches here a hundred years ago. And we were like, okay, well, if we take the old, you know, insides of those old pocket watches and turn them into wristwatches, you know, there's no reason we can't make the outside, the case and the crown and all the, the easier stuff to make, you know, the bigger things. And, um, we put that idea on Kickstarter in 2014 and I mean, the rest is history. We've sold every watch we've ever made and they sell faster and we can make them. And we're just trying to hang on for dear lives. <laughs> and you know what? You said it best for an engineer, dude, I, I have two degrees in journalism and a degree in history. So according awesome. to, we shouldn't be entrepreneurs, but that, that, you know, that's a piece of paper. You had right. that entrepreneurial mindset. Now you grew up on a Christmas farm so that you had that already in you because if Christmas farm, it, it doesn't matter if it's Christmas trees, it doesn't matter if it's smoothies, it doesn't matter if it's pocket watches, it doesn't matter if it's an experience. You had that entrepreneurial mindset with your family. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, growing up on a Christmas tree farm was was just like, I mean, a surreal experience in terms of um, couldn't have been a better spot to to learn entrepreneurship, to learn financial management, you know, and and managing money. Couldn't have been a better spot to to you know learn how to run a family business, learn how to run a small business, um, and and have a lot of fun doing it. You know, like my my great grandfather started um, the farm in in 1941. Um, and he and my grandfather taught me and, and my parents, you know, everything we know about sales and, and marketing and things like that. And we were always quality over quantity with Christmas trees. And that's kind of where we went with watches too. And that's really where I've gone in every entrepreneurial venture. It's just like, hey, you know, let's charge a premium and make, you know, in that case, grow the best Christmas tree in, in Pennsylvania. <laughs> and in this case, make the best watches that we possibly can. Um, and if you just show up and you do everything the right way, um, then the customers will come and you'll have lifelong customers because you make the best of what you make. And so people come back, people spend whatever the price tag is. It's They're investing in your company. They're investing in you. They're not just buying your product. And that's really the biggest lessons that I learned from, from my family of, of just that, like, you know, just focus on quality and everything else will come into place if you just stick to it and, you know, make something with integrity. Well, integrity, quality, premium. A lot of times people feel I'll make something super cheap so that everybody can buy it. And it's not about discounting your service, discounting your, your product. You have a premium product, in my opinion. You you didn't want the hey, well, let's try to make this for everybody because that's a lot of times entrepreneurs feel that way. I want to be liked. I want to have the product that everybody wants. But dude, if you went and you did that watch like that, well, one, it, it couldn't be like a swatch because that's still a little pricey. You'd have to have like one of those goofy looking calculator watches that they make in China. And there's yeah. no way you, with, the, with their price margins that you could ever compete. And so you were focused right from the start. This is unique. This is beautiful. This is part of American history. We have, a, we're going to cater to a certain clientele, a certain consumer that you caught my eye just Based on, and, and to me, it was like, I never knew about the company until your people said, hey, ha have, have you on as a podcast guest and following on Instagram, I'm like, holy smokes, these are sharp watches. Because at Thanks. first I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, yeah, what would uh, an American watch that, that, that that's like a um, RCA uh, you're you're a little too young was the american like vcr and like the yeah. american tv and they 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 tried to price themselves to be a, a cheap knockoff of everything else and that's what i thought and then you know yeah hey i'm i'm a connoisseur of luxury items and i gotta say it, it's it's a great thing now was there 
any pushback from your family saying, hey, watches, you're, you're not Swiss. Why not continue the family business, the family tradition of the Christmas cruise? Yeah, well, I mean, great question. Um, so in the early 2000s, the Christmas tree business really started to die off, um, not necessarily just ours, just in general. Um, you know, it, this happened to a lot of small businesses and a lot of a lot of sections of the economy um, in that, you know, huge corporations took over some of that stuff. And, you know, today uh, you can buy a Christmas tree at Walmart or Target or Whole Foods or Home Depot. Um, and when that started in the early 2000s, that that hurt, you know, a lot of the small businesses. And, you know, every year, if you think about it, you see less and less of those like roadside corner stores that are selling trees. Those were all the small businesses, you know, trying to figure it out. Now, you know, like instead of putting up a shop in Target's parking lot, Target does it themselves. And so, um, so that, that really started to hurt that business. And then, um, we, we had a lot of loss in our family. Um, you know, we lost my, my grandfather, um, and then we lost my mom, um, and I'm an only child. And so I, I inherited the farm and I had to figure out what to do and I'm in Colorado now. And so, um, it just running the farm full time from a economic and financial side already didn't make sense. And then, you know, um, location wise and with my family here in Colorado, um, it also didn't make sense. And so in, uh, in 2020, I, I actually sold the farm, um, and it, it can now be somebody else's dream, which is, which is really cool. It's been fun to watch like the last Christmas season, they, they are, they're planting trees, they're growing trees and they're, they're selling and they have their own family doing it there. And, and I've invested more into, you know, all the things that I'm doing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, to answer your question at first, like my, my family was, was just like, yeah, why, why watches, you know, and not even just my family, like a lot of people, um, told Tyler and I, like, you know, why, why would you get into wristwatches? Everybody's buying the Apple watch, you know, like it's, it's obsolete and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, um, and some of those people that, that were the initial naysayers are now some of our, our customers because <laughs> they're it just like, worked out that way. Well, they, they just didn't get it, you know, like it's all about niching down. Cause to your point, like, yeah, if I came out with a watch that looked like a fossil or a swatch or even an Omega, um, we, they wouldn't have sold because people would just bought the brands that they trusted. Exactly. Um, we came out with a watch that's totally different. It has a totally different story has a niche, you know, in itself or like a niche inside of a niche even. And so, um, and then we have the American made story of like, we, we, we actually have a YouTube TV show called Custer and Wolf building a watch company. And we put everything on the internet on YouTube and we show everyone like, here's how it's made. Here's what our machines do. Here's why we use these machines for this. Here's the labor that we use for this. You know, we, we just showcase everything that we do. Um, which most of the big brands, I mean, none of the big brands do, you have no idea how a Rolex is made. They don't really want you to know. Um, and, and some of the mystery is cool, but at the same time, I think the modern consumer really wants to see how it's made. So, um, I think once we, once we showed people like, Hey, this, yeah, we're making a watch, but it's very different. Like as soon as you, to your point, when you learn about it, it's like, Oh, that's weird. And then when you learn more about it, it's like, Oh, that's really cool. And then you learn more about it. And then hopefully, you know, you want to see one in person and check it out and, and buy one. Like that's, that's really what we're trying to do is, um, get the word out and then just have our marketing kind of be our salesperson. We don't really have any salespeople. We just show what we do. And hopefully by the time you learn more, you're going to want to buy one. Well, you throw out so much information, uh, your, your marketing is social media. And you do it on a consistent basis. A lot of times, a lot of small businesses, even some of the major corporations, they don't post all the time. But you guys, you guys post. You guys post the pics. You guys post pictures. I see the possibility of what I would look like wearing it on stage when I speak. Or a possibility of, hey, having this watch on an important date. Because you know, my mindset was already closed. Oh, I, I made it. I made it. I, I wear a Rolex. And, you know, <laughs> Rolexes don't even give the best time. 
You know how many yeah. times you have to friggin' wind them up or you, you have to have them serviced all the time. And it's like, well, did you literally what people are, are buying when they buy a Rolex is they're buying a name. Yeah. You know? and, and you're going to laugh. Yes. Uh, millennials and Gen Z's, they see watches like, why do you need a watch? Yeah. You, you have your phone or you have the Apple iWatch or, or whatever Amazon, uh, not Amazon, but whatever their the Magnavox, Sat, whatever that, that watch is, their competitor. Then they have right. the Garmin's and this and that. But when you come to people my age, yes, uh, Generation X, I'm not a boomer, <laughs> Generation Xers and even boomers, we, we were all raised to look at three things on a, on a man. Watch. I, I I have an eye watch on now, but it's because I'm obsessed with my steps. But you yeah. know, after, after my 12 hours of standing, I don't know what what that e- equates in health. For and, sure. you know, I, <laughs> that's that's marketing, like the 10,000 steps, or it's it's a watch, it's a man's shoes, and it's a belt. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I mean, do you do you want to do business with the person that's that's wearing a Snoopy swatch. I, I watch. I don't know. Some do. <laughs> who knows? But to answer Maybe. your question, <laughs> I, I mean, you, you're my target, and yeah, it, it's it's all about status. Mm. It, it's all, and your watch does provide status to me. It's like, hey, I'm unique. I'm different because your watches are rare to me. If I saw somebody wearing that. Now, now I know what it is because I mean I, I social media stalk you and I, I I comment on your on your posts whoever does it because I, I I'm a cheerleader I'm like yeah great posts or you know great watch that but if I didn't do that and I saw somebody with the corner of my eye I'm like oh I would ask hey that's a unique watch that's a nice watch where did I get it well you know you yeah an Omega or the, the Tag Heuer or the Rolex you know you see them a dime a dozen man. Unless somebody's wearing like a roll a Rolex of a hundred thousand dollars, yeah, that'll stand out. But you know, a Submariner, they come a dime a dozen. To me, always right. stand out, always be unique, always be different. And that that I, hey, my my hats off to you in a, in a lot of aspects because yes, I can see that. I can see your family. I can see your friends. I can see Happy Valley saying you're an engineer, man. What is it about selling watches? You can't do it because everybody hears why you cannot do something. But and you yeah. and Tyler proved the naysayers wrong. Yeah, you know, and 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 we didn't necessarily set out to to do that. You know, I think we we thought we were so right um, from the beginning. Like when we launched on Kickstarter, we really thought we thought our initial Kickstarter campaign would make hundreds of thousands. Um, and it, you know, it did well, like we set our goal at 10,000 and we made 40,000 in 30 days and we were, we were kids right out of college. So that was a decent amount of money. Um, and it proved the market and it proved that people wanted what we, what we were making. Um, but yeah, from the beginning, we thought we were going to be the next, um, swatch in some ways. Like we thought we were, it's going to be huge and everyone was going to want one of these pocket watches turned into wristwatches. Um, but you know it, it moved a lot slower than we initially thought and honestly it worked out for the best like we've learned so much about you know running a business and managing people and um you know, and all that kind of stuff that now that we've kind of figured it all out or most of it out um we're we're going to start a whole separate um watch company and that we call mechanical products and we're going to make um a lot more like mass market watches now that we know how to do it the right way. And it's all going to be made in the same factory as our, our current watches um, because we just want to showcase like, here's how it's made. Here's all the background to it. Um, here's what it looks like. And we can leverage the the brand that we built in Vortec Watch Company to be basically, you know, the American watch company. Like that's really what we're after is when you think of watches and you think of American made watches, hopefully you think of of me and Tyler and all the stuff that we're doing. 
Well, you already have have my my eye. I mean, Vortex. <laughs> I, I can't name you any other ones. Nor do I. I want to, because you know when we think of American-made products, now it's a stigma of oh my gosh, you know. Yeah. So congratulations and congratulations, Kickstarter. You're like one of the only companies out there. Usually, people do these fun rides. You know, uh, we raise so much money, and then these companies just go under. Yeah. Uh, and let me tell you, I've I've invested in plenty of them. I think what with a good thing I didn't invest in your company because it would probably be one of the ones that one of the many that folded because I've done everything I've I've invested in, in Christmas, <laughs> Christmas movies I I you know I got the chance to have my names on the credit to be a producer and it was like one of the only Christmas movies that saw like maybe ten people rent it or buy it and I I I was one of the ones just because I wanted to see my name up on on lights but so congratulations man on on thank you thank you yeah it's uh you're right it's it's definitely a rare thing that that kickstarter um campaigns are successful and um even more rare that that you know the company survives and and thrives and you know that was that was something that i've had to learn is is like looking back and being grateful for all the the effort that we've put in and you know, all the great things that have come from it. Um, you know, I think at, at our five year mark as a company, someone told me that like less than 10% of LLCs last more than five years or le- less than 10% of companies last more than five years in business or, or something. I'm, I'm making that up, you know, no, no, it, most, but it's something most, like yeah, that. They, yeah. And, and that's, and that's crazy to think about, you know, when you like all your friends that are running businesses, if, nine of 10 of them don't exist five years from now, the businesses don't, um, that's sad, you know, it's like uh, this, you know, but that's also, that's also like one of the best things about being an entrepreneur is in, in some ways, like there's, there's just so much opportunity. Um, if you just, if you just can outlast everybody else, (laughs) you know, and just figure it out and pivot and make a move and just like, figure out how to make it work. Um, as long as you can get scrappy in those, those hard times, you know, you, you can totally figure it out. One of the main reasons why businesses fail though, and why you and Tyler succeeded is you're determined. You jumped in. There was no plan B, plan C, plan D. A lot of times people are dabblers. They're mm. like, Oh, they, they don't go all in. You guys yeah. could have been like, well, we're engineers. We'll, we'll, we'll try this as a hobby. And haha, we tried. But that, yes, you'll hear the stories undercapitalized or horrible locations. Not. Businesses fail because people fail. But if they see this business opportunity, you guys saw this. You your family, your great, your great grandfather, your grandfather, your parents had this whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. They weren't like saying, ah, hey, you know what? Christmas trees, ah, maybe if not, you know, well, maybe we'll open up a Penn State apparel store and, and sell Joe Pa shirts or, or maybe we'll <laughs> do this, maybe we'll do that. A lot of people do that. You know, yeah. yes, you, you were educated. Tyler's educated. You guys could have been like, let's play it safe. True, and a true. lot of times, yeah, people like, well, yeah, they lost 50,000, 100,000, but they didn't lose, you know, everybody gets up. A lot of times people don't start businesses because they think the Wall Street Journal is going to run an, uh, a full-blown article on them, failed, or, you know, yeah. the, the the police are going to come and arrest you and you're going to be in bankruptcy. And then you're going to be like, like in the olden times where, you know, you're going to be in jail and you're going to have to work off your debt. But yeah, man, you, you, you did that. And the one thing though, that what you, this was an important lesson. You and Tyler thought you were going to be the next watch you guys. Cause you see, everybody doesn't understand the amount of time it takes because it's a process until you're in there. Right. And once you're in that tunnel, man, and if you keep on going, you'll eventually there, there's lightness there. There's an end to the tunnel, but a lot of times it's like that saying three feet from gold. A lot of times people 
quit. But yes, success, it, it takes a while, man, in anything, whether it's watches, whether it's Christmas trees, whether it's selling burgers, you, hey, trust me, I, my first year, I thought it was going to be gravy being an entrepreneur. I, I didn't think that, oh my gosh, you actually have to work on your birthday or you have to work nights or <laughs> you, have to, you have to give this, you, you have to go all in. But, but you guys did, and you learned that lesson. And now, you know, with, with this, this, the, the new watch that you guys are going to come out and everything, you guys were humbled by the experience. You mm. guys know it's going to take a lot more effort, a lot more time than what you even imagined, because you've already went through that. Yep. Yeah, and we've learned so much. And, and you know, to your point, it's, there's, there's all those ups and downs, and there's so many, there's so many chances to give up and stop, stop digging, right? If you're the, using the, the digging for gold analogy or, you know, trying to find the diamond, right? It's like, um, I love that, that picture of like, you know, the, the person with the ax and the diamond is like just one more pick, <laughs> right? Like just <laughs> there, right there. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so true because, um, when you think back in the entrepreneurial journey, which ours is almost a decade at this point, um, you you realize like the times the times that were the hardest were right before the times that have been the best and um i was listening to an interview with tony robbins recently and he said and i love the way he put this he basically said in business and in the economy in general there are seasons and you know in order to get to spring you have to go through winter <laughs> and, and so many of us, and he was talking about the pandemic um, and the economic collapse, you know, of 2008 and all the craziness that's happening in our economy right now. Um, and I, I really like that way of looking at it because when, when I look back on, on the winters of, of Vortic watch company, um, they they did because we didn't give up <laughs> and because we pivoted or figured out a different way to do business or found another form of financing um we made it to spring and then spring and summer were really good <laughs> mm -hmm. um and they were absolutely worth um you know getting through that winter and so what you have to do as an entrepreneur is just figure out like when you find springtime and you get through the winter seasons um you you have to hang on to it and just figure out like okay what am i doing right now that's working to make this good and how do i just keep it that way right like water the flowers <laughs> um and and the way i would the way i would say like one of the keys to success there that's happened to us recently is just realizing what the business can do and what the business can't do and so um you know we take antique pocket watches and turn them into wrist watches these things are a hundred years old, made in the Northeast. Like, you know, um, Boston is one of the, the places um, that made the most pocket watches. The one on my wrist was made in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, and a hundred years ago, they made some amazing things. And there's lots of pocket watches out there, but it's really difficult for us to fix them and restore them today. We need highly skilled labor to do so. And we just kind of realized at some point over the last couple of years, we were trying to put a square peg in a round hole and we were trying to make thousands of these things that like we should have just, I don't want to say given up, but we should have just said, Hey, let's, let's just make hundreds, you know, and let's just charge more and let's just make the coolest dang watch on the planet. And that's okay. And then if we want to scale, let's build a whole separate company to scale and get the revenue that our investors and people want. And it, I mean, it took us like, I don't know, five or six of those conversations to finally realize and finally start executing on that plan. But when we did, um, things just started to fall in line. So in 2020, we came out with what we call the watch of the day program. We realized that we could make about 400 watches a year. There's 365 days in a year. Let's make one new one of a kind watch every single day. It comes out at 12 noon mountain time. And when it's sold, it's gone. And to your point, we post every single watch on Instagram every single day. And so the content that comes from just simply accepting that it's like, all right, we're going to make a few hundred watches a year. So let's make one new one every day. People love that idea. People follow us. They're like the, um, the repeat visits on our website is insane. I mean, people log into our website 
at 12 noon every day. There's like hundreds of people that do so to just see what the watch of the day is and decide if they want to buy it. People follow us on Instagram and share it. I see people like tagging their significant others to say, hey, is this the one? Like, should I buy this one? You know, we got a little lucky. (laughs) We had a really good idea in that watch of the day thing, but it came from a winter season of like, shit, we can't make more watches. How are we going to scale this business? And we had to basically just accept that, you know what? That's what this business is supposed to do. Let's just make one watch a day. And um, and that pivot has created the, I think the spring and summer that we're living in right now, which is, yeah, it's sunshine and rainbows. We're making money. Everyone's happy. Our employees are happy. Like we're having fun. Our customers love it. Um, and and to, in order to get there, you know, yeah, we had to have a whole bunch of hard conversations and make some big decisions. Um, and and we're about to do it again by starting a whole nother watch company. <laughs> they, they say pressure makes diamonds. Yeah. And people change or people thrive or people get off their asses when their backs are against the wall. Mm-hmm. And a re- you had to go through being an entrepreneur to finally realize that because yes, you wanted to be the swatch. You wanted to, you, you wanted to be the Rolex in the sense that stores throughout the country sell, sell them daily. Right. Yeah. And it, it's, it's like the guy, the mom and pop that realizes he can't compete with McDonald's McDonald's. Mm-hmm. It's all on masses, you know, very slim margins, but you know, they, they sell so many, just like a grocery store, the margins are small, but you know, that mass produced, that's how they make a profit. Well, the mom and pop is like, well, we can't compete with price, but we, you, we compete with quality. Right. And even if you wanted to, there's no antique pocket watches. We didn't have 300 million people or whatever roaming, roaming the earth way back then, much less in this country. So right. you know, it, it, realistically, you couldn't find those amount of pocket watches to create them to sell 60, 70, 1,000 a day to begin with. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I think that that just really speaks to the, the whole journey. And I mean, the roller coaster that is entrepreneurship. Um, and you know, the, the other thing that, that we learned from, from that, I mean, like impending winter of, of the pandemic, um, is I, I don't know about you, but it's, it's been really interesting. I mean, it sounds like, you, you know, you like watches, you like, you know, follow Rolex and stuff like that. Um, the price of a Rolex and some of those other watches, those big uh, mass market watches right now, prices are at all time high. Demand are at, is at all time high. It's used still yeah, it's used crazy. watches, vintage watches are, are massively popular. It's crazy. Um, but when the pandemic started, how are we going to know that for some reason in the middle of a global pandemic, people are going to buy more watches than, than you'd ever imagine. Nobody knew that. I was personally like battening down the hatches, like, oh my gosh, why would you buy something you don't need for like three to $5,000 on the internet in, in this kind of time? So I thought we were screwed and I was looking for financing and I was going to like try to try to hustle. Um, and so in early, like in basically April, May of 2020, um, I started a marketing agency that's now called Carter and Custer. I, I found another business partner. Um, and so I have a whole separate business now, which is a, an agency helping other people bring their products online. Um, but I started it because quite honestly, I thought nobody was going to buy any watches during the pandemic. And I love marketing. I'm really good at it. And I was just like, okay, well, if I need to make some money and I, I won't be able to pay myself from my business for a little while and we won't be able to hire an ad agency to help us anymore. Um, I might as well just try to build my own agency and maybe I can save us some money and make some money on the side. And um, fortunately enough, <laughs> people kept buying watches. People bought more watches in the last two years than they ever have. And so Vortec Watch Company thrived and a lot of businesses went online. And so my accidental ad agency that we created, um, like I said, it's just Carter and Custer, my, my friend Jim and I um, also took off. 
And so now I like to say, like, I'm kind of stuck holding the bag with these two businesses. Um, but it's only because, you know, we were put to your point, like back against the wall, like, okay, we got to figure this out. What are we going to do? And so we, we hit the drawing board, came up with a bunch of options. Um, and, and we hustled. I mean, the last couple of years for, for so many of us entrepreneurs has been just pivot after pivot after pivot, trying to navigate this new world that we live in where half the things are more expensive than they've ever been. And half the things that we used to do and uh, don't even exist anymore. And it's just like, how do we do this? Um, but it's, it's all about that. You know, it's a roller coaster. You just got to hang on and then just figure it out <laughs> as you go. Well, right. Uh, an entrepreneur, there's two things. So the pandemic, it is what it is. There's been businesses thriving, businesses that hit record sales, record right. quarters. There's mom and pops. People either thrived or they died, but they yeah. died mainly because we're going to wait and see. That wait and see yeah. approach in life never pays off. Never works. Never be, you know, that saying, there's people that watch things happen do things ha- or, or, or the, the third wonder what happens. I've, yep. I've used so many entrepreneurs, so many people let's wait till this ends. Well, finally, we're, well, who knows when this will finally end, but two years me. Yes. My initial knee jerk reaction. I, I still, my ex-wife, my ex-business partner, and I, we still owned all our, our stores. And it was like, yes, you had an, Oh my gosh, this is the end. It was the only the end. If you sat on your ass, it was right. only the end. It amplified things. Like when you see businesses that use it as an excuse, they were already losing money. They right. ju- just opened up the faucet and, you know, they use the excuse because it's always that ego thing. It's always yeah. pride. It's so much easier saying, yeah, yeah, we folded because of the pandemic. No, you folded because of yourself, not because yeah. of the no, hundred percent. And that's, I, I heard someone. Um, so my friend Jim and I, with our agency, we run a mastermind uh, called um, fast foundations. And that's honestly um, one of, one of the things that, that I believe in the most as an entrepreneur is the concept of masterminds and just like surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals and like helping each other. Um, but at the mastermind event that we had a couple of weeks ago, somebody said, um, your ego is your biggest overhead. And it's so true. Like, um, it just, it gets in the way because, because your ego sometimes makes you wait and see it, it. It says like, Oh, you know what? We've, we've always done business this way. You know, like how could we, you know, like a lot of restaurants, some of, some of my friends that run restaurants, some of my friends that run restaurants went out of business. Some of my friends that run restaurants have more money than they've ever had because they saw this thing coming and they were like, all right, pivot. Let's sell margaritas to go. And they just printed money with jugs of margaritas that you could come and pick up, <laughs> you know, and I, I was a customer. Finish. I was like, yep, exactly. we got a drink. It's the pandemic. <laughs> so, you know, there was, um, there's so many people. I, I like the way you said that of like that, that sit and wait, you know, but that sit and wait turned, as we all know, two weeks to slow the spread into two years plus of what is happening still. Um, and so, yeah, if you sat and waited, you got walked all over. Um, and, and that's sad in a lot of ways, but at the same time, you know, it it brought out, I I like the way you look at it because it kind of brought out the best and the worst of, of entrepreneurs, of politicians, (laughs) of just people in general. Right. Um, and you really in stressful times like that in general, not just the pandemic, but in stressful times in business, it brings out like who you truly are. So if you're a good entrepreneur, if you're a good leader, if you're good at managing money, you figure it out, you pivot, you change. If to your point, if you weren't good at that stuff, maybe it's time to make a change, you know, and run a different business or do something different or you know, go go work for someone else for a little while and learn, you know, the skills that you need to go back out on your own. That's okay. I know a lot of people that did that. Totally cool. Um, but you got to, you got to, yeah, you definitely can't wait and see. You got to take action. <laughs> so I it's all definitely looking action. back at it, like that's definitely why we did well is we just, 
we saw this stuff happening and we took massive action from the very beginning and we didn't slow down and we kept the foot on the gas. And in a lot of ways it worked. And in a lot of ways that explains why I felt so freaking burnt out at the end of last year. Cause I was, my foot was on the gas for two years straight. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is a lot. It's all about consistency. It's all about taking action on a consistent basis, even when mm-hmm. you don't want to. And, you know, you, you brought up a good point. And, and I, I've been through so many of these. It's masterminds. You have to be in rooms, not only of like-minded people, but of people that are higher success than you. You yeah. have to leave that ego at the door. Yeah. A lot of times people are like, oh, I just want to hang out with my buddies that I grew up with, or I like my circle of friends because we share the same commonality, or hey, I'm, I'm a big fish in a small pond. And mm-hmm. that's why, who cares, man, if you're the dumbest person, you're the poorest person, at whatever cost that mastermind is, you'll get it back. And then some, the greatest mm-hmm. investment one ever makes is in, within themselves. And masterminds, I, I, I found a business partner. Masterminds, I found out I, I should be right. I wrote a book, a podcast. Right. It always expands your mind, always expands your vision. But a lot of times people are like, oh, I don't need to go to a mastermind. I don't need personal development. I don't need business development. I'm fine. Things are going to change one day. I can feel it. And <laughs> it never does. When you, well, when and that's you that. that way. Exactly. And that's that, you know, ego is your biggest overhead, right? Like I love the way, I think it was my friend Jim that said it, and I'm sure he quoted someone much wiser than all of us. Um, but it's, it's so true um, because it does like, it, it gets in the way of you making decisions um, for, for your business, not just for yourself. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I've, I'm a huge proponent of, of masterminds. I, I love the concept so much. Um, I also enjoy working with consultants and coaches and, you know, just other people, because in, in, in my opinion, what a mastermind or, or a coach gives you is perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and we're all sitting here, especially now, you know, I'm in my home office. There's no one else in this building right now. Um, I have so much autonomy as an entrepreneur, which is awesome, but at the same time can be crippling because I don't have anyone to give me perspective. And um, I'm so blessed that I have you know two business partners for the businesses that I run, which help immensely with perspective on like what we should do, what we shouldn't do, what we should say, all that kind of stuff. Um, I have a, 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 a she was previously my assistant. Now she's my chief of staff because she's just badass. And <laughs> her name's Bella. I think she's actually one of the people that set this up for, for us. Um, so thank you, Bella. But you know, you, you have someone, you have a right hand person, right? That's close to you that gives you perspective on like, here's here's my thought on that thing now that I know you and I've worked with you for so long. And um, and if you don't have access to business partners and you know, right hand humans. Um, or like team that can help give you perspective, then a coach or a mastermind is a great way to do that, um, especially for solo entrepreneurs. And that's really how I got started on this whole thing. And I would say, like, if I think back on it, a lot of the best ideas that I've had and a lot of the pivots that I've made in my business have come from masterminds um, or something similar, like that watch of the day idea that we do now that honestly is 90% of our revenue I had that idea sitting in the room of a mastermind. Um, and that's like super cool, <laughs> you know, like that just immense value. I probably paid, I don't know, five or $6,000 to sit in the room um, at this mastermind for, for a few months. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, just exactly. thousand fold, right? Like crazy. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, and, you know, and you get other people's opinions based on their perspective of just like, you know, for years in masterminds and my coaches and people that I talked to, they were just like, dude, you got to charge more for these watches. You know, we were charging the average price of a Vortec watch in 2018 was like 1800, maybe $2,000 average price. 2021 end of year was like 3,800. Um, and yeah, it's better quality. Like we get better every day. Um, but I just finally took some advice and said like, you know what? we do make the coolest watch on planet earth. We should charge more for this. <laughs> um, and it worked and people are still buying them. And um, 
it made the business a lot more sustainable. We could pay all of our team more. We could get better machines. We could improve the quality. Like, you know what that does to a business, just exactly. actually charging what you're worth, right? Like that's, that's the good stuff. <laughs> Believe it or not, and I'm not trying to pander to you, but when I saw the price points, I thought just by looking at it and looking at the quality, I thought it would, I thought it was like a five thousand to ten thousand dollar watch easily. Looking at each piece. Thank you. Yep. And that's and that's what we're after. Because um, yeah, we charge now. It's basically like twenty five hundred to eight thousand is our price range. Average purchase price is yeah about thirty five hundred to four thousand. And I think that's a really strong like mid market price point. Um, and we're we're testing some things. You know, we're going to come out with a watch later this year that's going to be right on ten thousand, which will be the most we've ever charged for anything. Um, but it's a fraction of a Rolex. So, you, you know, you, it's perspective again, right? <laughs> you, you realize this watch, you, it's, you're a niche. You're, you're not, you don't want to be Walmart. You don't want to be Target. You found your audience. You found your raving fans. And you're mm-hmm. not, you, now that you've hit that sweet spot, it's not like you're going to be like, oh my gosh, let's try to sell like a, a $300 everyday watch to everybody. No, you realize right, yeah. that these these are our this is our audience. These are our raving fans. Let's go after this, and people will buy multiple watches because it is unique. It looks amazing, and plain and simple. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's more exciting, you know, to run a sustainable business. Like, and sustainable. I, I like the word sustainable when people use it in different con- um, like different ways. But like, you know, a lot of people for years were talking about the sustainability of the sourcing of all your parts and all that stuff. And we check all those boxes. I mean, we do the best we can to make everything in America or um, at least, you know, use American labor to to assemble, you know, everything that we possibly can. Um, all of our accessories are, you know, from North America, at least like we, we do the best we can to locally source and get the best basically ingredients for all the stuff that we make. But on the other side of sustainability, um, a lot of people are afraid to talk about making profit, but like, you know, and they share their revenue numbers. Like, you know, you see it all, all over Facebook and stuff, you know, entrepreneurs are like, I made this million and all this stuff. They're, they're talking about revenue, but what really matters in a business is the profit at the end of the day. Um, and, exactly. and that's, is a lot of people don't talk about it, but like, if you're not making profit, it means you can't invest in any new thing. It means you can't go get that employee that you really need for this one thing. It means you can't go get financing for the huge piece of equipment that you need to up-level the quality of, of the watch or the product that you're making. Um, it, it means that your business is not sustainable in a literal sense. <laughs> so um, it took me years to, to actually listen to my advisors who were like, dude, you got to charge more how much I know you're making revenue, but are you making profit? And I, my answer was, was honestly, my answer was, I didn't know because I didn't know the numbers well enough. And so when I dove into it, I was like, wow, yeah, we aren't making a whole lot of profit. We need to charge more. Let's figure this out. And now that we are a really sustainable business and a profitable business, the sky's the limit. We can do whatever we want. You know, if we want to start a whole nother business, like we are, we're going to self-fund it. We don't need Kickstarter anymore. <laughs> and that's pretty awesome. RT, I know you're a busy man because you're a CEO. You're running a major corporation there. So now's your chance to plug before you leave us. How <laughs> do we find you? And more importantly, how do we find Vortec watches? Yeah, thank you so much. This was uh, this was super fun. I really appreciate it, Omar. Um, you can find Vortic Watch Company at vorticwatches.com. That's V as in Victor, O-R-T-I-C, watches.com. And you can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn at R-T Custer. That's R-T like Robert Thomas and then C-U-S-T-E-R. All righty, brother. Thank you for the opportunity. And trust me, next time you see me or next time we do a, a podcast, I'll be wearing one. Because I, I love your style. I'm excited to welcome you to the club. Appreciate you. All righty, brother. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. I never told no one that. Oh my gosh. I am so proud of you. You accomplished something. You know, most people buy books 
and they don't read the whole book, not even on Audible. They'll maybe read, they'll dabble a chapter or two, but they won't go to the distance. And you know what? Congratulations. The same thing with podcasts. 2.8 million podcasts. You selected this one. We're like-minded people and you reached the end. You know what? Did you sign up for that webinar? You know which one I'm talking about. Omar Medrano, O-M-A-R-M-E-D-R-A-N-O.com backslash webinar backslash. It's just ask for it. It's a whole new way of approaching sales. Been there, done that. Enough of the bullpens. Enough of calling two, 300 calls. Enough of stressing. Enough of being all bent and twisted. Chasing people. Chasing leads. Up at night, wondering where and when am I going to get the next sale? Because you know what? Tomorrow, just like in life, you start out at zero. This just ask for it. It'll double your referrals triple your leads, quadruple your sales. And you know what? The best part about this webinar is it's free. Omar, O-M-A-R, Medrano.com, backslash webinar, backslash. You know what? If you can't spell my name, just go omarmedrano.com. You'll find me. We found each other. You were meant for so much more. Thank you. Have an outstanding rest of your week. And every time I load my gun up so I can shoot for the stars I hear a voice like, who do you think you are? Negative thoughts come to mind when I start thinking bold Like, why you chasing dreams? Aren't you getting kind of old? I knew I needed help I had no self-confidence Didn't believe in myself I tried not to feel or listen to my intuition To start a business But before I even started I feel like it's finished You got a vision And let me say I don't care if they're your blood Got the same DNA They can't feel how you feel They can't see what you see Wanna change your life You gotta change the way you think The thoughts in your mind Is the boss of your life Nothing but good vibes Every day I'm thinking like What if it did what if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if it did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work?